Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton, and welcome to another edition of the Toffee Blue View podcast, where I'm, of course, standing in for Jerry Gibson. The show must go on, and it's going to be a good one. We're going to be doing a season rewind, and alongside before that, I'm joined by the two McAllisters, Messrs. Paul and Terry. As far as season rewind goes, it's a format that you're going to see a lot more of over the next few weeks, of course, as you probably know by now. As of last night, we've gone into lockdown here in the United Kingdom, so... As a result, there's very little to look ahead to in the near future as far as football is concerned. So seeing as there's no football to look forward to, we're going to look back instead. This show is also going to feature the If You Know Your History quiz, in which I'll be pitting myself against Paul later on in the show. So stay tuned for that if you're listening to the podcast before this show is out. But first things first, how are you doing, lads? How you've been? Have you been spending your first day of national lockdown? I've been in lockdown for a couple of weeks, <laughs> to be honest, before this coronavirus really picked up steam. But I don't mind it too much. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of a hermit um, a lot of the time, so I'm finding ways to cope. But I am starting to miss football now, and I'm starting to miss the little things that you take for granted, like just being able to go to the gym or being able to just go and walk around the town centre freely and go in whatever shops you want to go in. Yeah, I really hope we get this under control and things go back to normal quite quick because... There's only so much you can do when you're sat in your house. You can watch Netflix, you can play PlayStation or Xbox, but when you're like me and you've been doing that for weeks anyway, you, yeah. you, you want to go out. You want to go outside and get a bit of sun on your skin. So yeah, I'm glad to talk to you, and I'm hoping that everyone's, you know, managing to cope through this difficult period. That's it. We'll all be saving money on Factor Fifty anyway, so. <laughs> So, God, God, God help whoever, whatever idiots out there, like, stockpile and factor 50. <laughs> I know. I mean, you can still go in your back garden when the sun does eventually come back, but... Uh, True. Yeah, you can't, you just can't, unless you're getting it off Amazon, you're not getting anything. Um, it, yeah. I'm, I'm good as well. I mean, I, I'm um, only been on lockdown since yesterday, and... I, I, you'd have to. I would have to be on lockdown for a long time before I started getting fed up of it. I, I could spend a year in my house if you, if I had to. I'm one of them people. But um, I'll tell you one thing though. On the football side of things, when you know this was slowly starting to build up steam, and the ideas were floating around about what we can do with the Premier League and or we'll continue the games behind closed doors. I was dead against it. Bang against it. Going no, it'd be terrible. Um, Home teams will lose their advantage and so on and so forth. Oh, I would bite your hands off for that now. <laughs> you know, a couple of weeks is a long time, so I'm at the point now where like, if it, if you could fast forward to that, oh, I'd do I'd do anything for it because I'm missing the football a lot. You can't even get excited looking like you know on social media or like the usual like news sites because you just know nothing's happening. There's no. You know, there's no serious transfer stuff going on because you know, you know, I'm sure phone calls can take place, but no one knows when the transfer window will be. You can't like, you know, look up anything. It's it's awful from a football point of view. But I know poor contract Dave must be tearing his hair out. I know, I know. He, yeah, I think that's all he did as well, wasn't it? <laughs> Secretary, uh, any? Yeah, I mean, he's all right. He's on lockdown as well, but he'll be in his slippers now. 
It's, it, I mean, God, you know, more power to you if you, if you're on lockdown and you know you're financially able to to bat on, then then brilliant. But if you're not, you know, hopefully things are okay and you know people are getting looked after because that's that's the main thing. You know, people who are getting ill and people who who are struggling financially, it's just such a a crazy. It's, pretty, thing. it's dark, yeah. isn't it? It's a dark time. Yeah, it's it's totally unprecedented in in like you know modern society. You know, you know, there's been things that have happened which have been major moments in history. You know, like things like nine eleven and and so on. And that's this is another one. This will be referred back to as the example for pandemics for for forevermore now. This, an, this an actual, century, probably, yeah. Yeah, an actual global pandemic. It's something crazy to live through and um, but you know, hopefully you know we all come out of it soon and with as little uh, negative impact as possible that's the aim now is basically to damage limitation really isn't it it's just to make sure we yeah keep as many people safe as possible stop it spreading yeah i mean it, i was i was rooting for it a few weeks ago open it got cost liverpool the title but now uh, i think i'd like to retract that now it's just it's not worth it just give them the title if we could go back and like you can get rid of it i'd happily do it now give them the title now while it's on lockdown so there's no praise i'll have that yeah that'll do <laughs> by the time this by the time this is over lads just thinking then we might actually see some of uh, jean philippe gabamon maybe he might actually finally be fit when this is over wouldn't put it past him to get it coronavirus <laughs> oh that, that man I hope not. That poor fella. He's he's been in lockdown for six months anyway because no yeah. one's seen him. Happy. Doesn't even. I don't even think he's been cited at any games or any like. There's no footage yeah. of him on the club's social media. So from just what when he's like, out the house, <laughs> this happens. From what I've heard, he's like missing a quadricep or something. Yeah. Well, spare a thought for him. He's watched all of his box sets. What's he gonna do? Oh yeah. He's making his own box sets now. I know. But yeah, so it. How are you holding up? What shows have you guys been watching? Um, I mentioned a few. Um, Red Dwarf, I watched uh, some of that. Um, a lot of British comedies. Fuck off. Um, Black Adder, um, Mr. Bean, uh, Bottom. Um, just a lot of like silly 90s, 80s BBC comedy and yeah, some had, as well. On that note, I've had uh, Keeping Up Appearances on. I've not seen it. <laughs> That's an absolute belter, honestly. Honestly, it's a friggin' belter. You know, oh, I, had a, I had a mate growing up whose mum was just Hyacinth Bouquet. It always makes me laugh that. I know loads of people like that. <laughs> uh, James, it's about the company you keep. <laughs> Tell you what else I've been watching, and if you're not on it, then you should really get on it because it really like gets you through the hours of the day. Keep your enthusiasm with Larry oh, David. Oh, fantastic. That's brilliant. And there's about 10 series of it as well. So there's loads of it to get through. You know, I love, I love those shows. Like, imagine rewatching the entire like back catalogue of The Simpsons. Oh, you'd be flying for about 10 seasons and then start to really struggle from there. You start to feel like the decline in quality then, wouldn't you? Mm, yeah. If you watch it in reverse, you, you might be able to get through it. That'd probably give you the lift, actually, yeah. I mean, speaking of all that, they did, they had the Simpsons movie on on Sunday, didn't they? Like, which is basically a movie about people getting locked down in a dome. Yeah, that's a good and, point. Um, I, I just thought that was such an ironic, like, sort of, I don't know, a little, it's an ironic little jibe, really, Somewhat. given the scenario everyone's in at the moment. 
someone in the control rooms well put that on for a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I came home last night um, and Mrs. had on uh, Zombieland. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, we'll put this on. But we'll go. That's what we'll end up with. Yeah, it's been a, a nice mixed bag of shows, isn't it? Yeah, to be honest, I haven't even got started yet because I've only just gone into lockdown. But I'm pl- I, I, I don't know whether I'll, you know, I've got I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll probably have the time to do both. But I could watch, you know, a classic again. You know, rewatch The Sopranos, or I want to get my wife into watching um, Bands of Brothers. She's agreed to do it. It's not usually a cup of tea, but it's such a good show, and I'm like, oh, you need to watch this. It's amazing. But then I also want to watch some other like new stuff that I've not seen before. Is it? Um, I haven't don't know anything about this, but I saw my mate was telling me that it was going to be worth watching. Something on Netflix called Tiger King documentary or something like that. I've not actually heard of that just yet. It's a it's it's only just catching on. I think like not catching on as in like it's getting popular now. I think it's a surreal a surreal documentary about a surreal person. But I'm gonna um, gonna look at stuff like that as well. It's a perfect watch for surreal times that we're in. Yeah, true. Well, anyway, guys, uh, we're going to move on to the actual show now. And So we asked around on Twitter over the last week or so for requests for which season you want to start off with, and you guys chose arguably, uh, well, definitely our best league campaign of the Premier League era as of yet, the 2004-05 season. Plenty to discuss through that season. And, of course, I've got Terry and Paul with me to... Discuss it. So, guys, 2004-05 season. How did you feel going into the season? Um, not optimistic, to be honest. Um, we'd season before we'd finished seventeenth and six points above the relegation zone. We'd had an awful season. We, you know, it was Moyes' sophomore season. Um, we just come the season before that. He just finished seventh. So, um. Hopes were high, but I don't feel like things problems with the team were addressed properly in the transfer window. We'd spent all the previous summer chasing um, Sean Davis for central midfield because central midfield was a strong weak point. Right, yeah. We ended up with you know uh, you know some some players who came who became useful and whatever you know we we bought Nigel Martin, Kevin Kilban, James McFadden, and loaned Francis Jeffers, um, but. The season was terrible. We won like one away game all season, which you know was becoming vogue now. But um, at that time, was awful, and we just literally there was nothing to write home about for that season. And then obviously, then the summer came after staying up by so you know smaller margin, and our crown jewel was bought by Man United, Salt Wayne Rooney, for what feels now like a paltry fee of 27 million guaranteed rising to 30 um, only brought in two players which were Marcus Bent a, a journeyman forward who'd had a you know knocking on 10 clubs I'm sure at that time already um, and Tim Cale who had got a little bit of national attention with the season before with Millwall's run to the FA Cup final and you know certainly wasn't you know seen as a, a, a poor buy he was a you know a pre- People were, you know, happy to sign Tim Cale, but they didn't expect big things from him because he was a small fee from the championship. And yeah, and that was it. We went to the season. You know, expectations were very low given the big sale and the poor performance the season before. And then, well, we'll get into what happened next. 
Yeah, Paul, what, how did you feel going into the 0-4-5 season? I just remember it um, being dominated all that summer with, is Rooney going to stay or is he going to go uh, type thing. I remember it was on the front of the papers, or the back of the papers rather, every week. Um, Rooney was, and his agent, Paul Strefford, were basically saying, that's it, we're, we're up and we're leaving and Everton were basically on the surface begging him not to, but as we found out since, behind the scenes, we were kind of gently pushing him out the door because we just were so desperate for the money to stay afloat. But I was only 10 at the time. It was Man and Terry's second um, second season, season ticket holders we were going in. And I, um, being young, was just really devastated that, you know, the the, the kids who everyone had on the back of the shirts was going, thinking, well, that was it, oh, yeah. That was, yeah, we're selling our best player. We're not signing any big names to replace him. We're just getting all these people I've never heard of. Where's this going to leave us? So I was basically just expecting us to be completely irrelevant to mid-table. And it was oh. just really sad because you knew Rooney was going to go on and win titles with United and Liverpool were getting this, you know, this big in in um, in fashion manager in Rafa Benitez. Um, so a lot of teams had reasons to be excited, whereas we were just poor old Everton stuck off in the corner, selling our best player and getting nobodies in to replace him. So it was kind of one of them. I was hoping it would be better than the season we just seen where we were really, really bad and we'd finished right down the league. But I wasn't expecting anything at all. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I was eight when this was all going on. and I was actually on holiday when Rooney got sold. And I just remember think, thinking, at that time, I'd only been watching Everton for about a year anyway. And I was starting to get my head around some of the players and all the players who had started to, like, Get get to know the likes of Rooney had gone. I think Thomas Radzinski left that summer as well. Who was another, like sort of not maybe not outstanding, but he was probably one of the key players of that side. He went, and I think a large proportion of the squad was released that summer. And I just remember like watching the opening game of the season. We got beat off Arsenal in Spain, and. I couldn't identify with any of the players. I only really recognised Gravison, I think, and Carsley. And I think other than that, I didn't really know many of the players. And I was like, where's, the, where's this going? <laughs> obviously, yeah. I... Yeah. Sorry. Just... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of that feeling of, like, what's down for us as a club? Like, there's no reason to get excited at all. And it just felt like we were, at very best, going to just stay where we were if not go down completely. I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't think we were going to get relegated. I wasn't worried about that, but it's just, well, why are all these other clubs going, getting to go to cup finals and challenging for leagues and things like that when we're just stuck to and nothing? Every every weekend, we're gonna, I'm going to go watch my team and they're going to get absolutely battered or they might scrape a, a win against an equally crap team. It just felt like, ugh, just, it felt like there was no real reason to really get excited about football. It was just something that you did at the weekends and then you didn't think about the rest of the week. I mean, I know that feeling all too well over the last couple of years, so you've just uh, <laughs> triggered me a little bit there. <laughs> but yeah, it was one of those, wasn't it? I, think I remember like the first couple of games and I mean, we won a couple of the first few games even before Rooney left and I was like, this is all right, but I didn't really know any of the players and obviously all I'd ever known, I started watching Evan when I was about six and... All I'd ever known was Wayne Rooney playing for Everton and scoring goals for Everton. And then once he left, I was like, what's this now? <laughs> and uh, anyway, I think it was one of them. I didn't really 
pay too much attention to football around that time. But I think I just remember, obviously, what happened next. Rooney left, and then obviously we got into September, and I think we won a couple of games on the spin, and then I started to see our name and like high, getting higher and higher in the table. And I was like, "What's the hell? We're doing all right here, aren't we?" And I was like, "I wasn't really like." I didn't really get. I didn't really grasp football completely at that point. Whereas I, like, I just watch Everton and see how Everton got on and see how we were doing in the league and stuff. And to see us like doing better and better, I was thinking hey, this is getting good. And I remember that was the sort of consensus around everyone in my family. I'm not sure you guys were going the games then, were you? So you might have a better ability to gauge what the vibe was like when this was going on in the sort of September time when we picked up a few wins on the spin. Well, we. We started the season at home to Arsenal and lost 4-1. So, obviously, that was like compounding with everything else. It was like, oh, here we go again. This is this is like the great Arsenal teams, remember? So, it wasn't like it was a you know bad thing. Like, now, if you lose to Arsenal, you're losing into up here, like a competitor, like same level sort of team. Whereas back then, it was like, you know, they were the top dogs. The best team. But, um, Coming off the invincible the- season, weren't they? Yeah, well, that, that, after that, the the form picked up. Like you're talking about September, like by the by the end of September, we we'd won three games on the spin in September, and we'd um, won five overall and drawn one after the um, the Arsenal result. So it was always against United at Old Trafford as well. Yeah, remember exactly. So you know that we what Moyes had landed on for that season, which is what he never had the season before, or, or even the, the season before that, when he still finished seventh and did all right, is a settled team. Like the squad, you, you mentioned it before, that a lot of players were released or sold and not replaced, but he stripped the squad back to bare, you know, bare bones, but he'd, he'd landed on a team that clicked and, and gelled. And I always think now, when Leicester won the league, it reminded me a lot of this season for under Everton. Obviously, totally different scenario, and they had a world-class, you know, goal scorer in Jamie Vardy, and you know, a few world-class players like spotted around with like Kante and Mares. But I, the the sort of ethic of the team reminded me of the Moyes 2004-5 season, where all the players played pretty much injury-free every week. And the system complemented them all, and they had that continuity, and they all we, they all knew each other inside and out, and they all worked together. Moyes landed on the four-one-four-one formation, and he, he he literally had fourteen players that he turned to, like the same same eleven most weeks, give or take one or two, it, you know, depending on injuries, and he used Duncan Ferguson as an impact sub, which what a, what an impact sub he was, you know, with the. Um, Impact's a good way for it. Yeah, I mean, he couldn't, he, the, he couldn't really, you know, start many games at that point, but, you know, he had, you know, in the four-one-four-one, the Carsley would sit and, you know, shield the back four of, of Stubbs and Weir with that centre-back. You know, they weren't the fastest in the world, but they had the experience, and with Carsley in front of them, they had protection. And then, I'm not going to name the whole team, obviously, because we're going to mention that later, but um, Marcus Bent up front. Now, he, he hardly ever scored... But he found that perfect like sort of role in that team, where he would just run the channels and just work hard off the ball, and you know bring other players into play, the other midfielders, and that paid dividends, especially in the first half of the season. So when we got past that Arsenal game, we put a run of wins together, and I remember thinking at the time, 
going, oh, this is, you know, not so much, well, this could, you know, see us fine in a relegation fight, you know, because we've got all these points on the boards early. But I thought, well, this is a good platform. So if the, if the form takes a wobble when we start getting injuries, because this team's already, this squad is very small, we've got these points on the board. That was my feeling at the time that this won't last because the team, the squad's too small. We'll get to December and start, you know, the wheels will start coming off. But, uh, you know, as we'll touch on in a minute, it wasn't the case. I think a very interesting point you made there was about the four-one-four-one. This season came right off the back of a very similar team to that Everton side, Greece, winning the Euros with the same formation, with a very threadbare national squad in comparison to the likes of, say, England or Spain or Germany, and they went and won the Euros. How much do you reckon that might have played on Moise's mind when he was sort of analysing his squad ahead of the season? I mean, it's a fair shout. I mean, I didn't even remember. I know I obviously remember that Greece team, but I didn't even remember they played four one four one. But I mean, I believe you. It makes sense. That was it. Was it was a good template, a good model of you can you know cover the inadequacies of some of your players and you know you, you know the inadequacies inadequacies in flair and like you know one on one skill by just it it lends itself to hard work and hard running. There was no you know. You know, skillful. You know, uh, let me think. There was no Pinar in this team. There was no one who. There was no, you know, Lukaku. There was no standout player who could, you know, take on opposition players. It was all about craft. It was all about hard work and just fighting for each other. And that's uh, a lot of the wins that we got. One nils, two ones. We didn't blow any team away. No, we didn't. That's a, a really good point, actually. I think. We went on a good run of winning every game by the odd goal. I think pretty much every game, and certainly before Christmas, was a a one nil or a two one, or if we were if we were really lucky to be entertained a three two. Yeah, well, that's the, the defense was the biggest thing. It was the the defense was the biggest thing because once we got in ahead, especially in the home games, there was always the feeling that like we've got this now because we won't concede. We've um, We've got a strong enough structure and you know enough fight in the team to hold on to the lead. That was certainly certainly my um, my feeling at the time. I would celebrate the, the the first goal going in at Goodison sometimes as if we'd won the match. I was that confident as time went on. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I mean, I I'll be honest, that season instilled that mentality in me for a long time. Scoring the first goal usually meant we'd go on to win, and I think I probably held a little bit of that all the way through until Martinez's second season when stuff happened. <laughs> it was a pretty grim season for conceding goals. So I think all the way through the Moise either from then on in, I think we had this idea of if we got one, certainly if we got two, we were going to win. I'm not sure like what your stance was on that, Paul, like when you were in, if you were going to games, like, the vibe in the ground, was there a sort of belief there all the time that we were going to win these games? No, from what I remember. Um, maybe I was too young, but as I said um, earlier on, I would just typically go to games and hope that we'd win and be really happy when we did, but then just kind of forgot about it afterwards. Like I wasn't thinking, oh, this is brilliant, we're, we're going to qualify for something here, we're going to build um, something. It was just kind of a feeling of, if we go in and we into a game and we just work really, really hard we should be okay. And that 
happened more often than not because if you look at the teams that were in the league that season, there was just there was a lot of teams that just didn't graft as much as we did. That like Terry touched on, you had Allardyce of Bolton. They were good grafters. Uh, they finished, I think, fifth or sixth, sixth. right below us. Sixth, I think. Yeah, but yeah, but you had you had a lot of mid-table teams in the league that season who you'd think would probably be um, similar levels to us quality-wise. Who just didn't have the graft that we did, like the likes of Birmingham, Cholton, Blackburn, Newcastle, Man City before they had all the money. Middlesbrough had better players than us, really. You know, Middlesbrough had a really good team that year. When I look back at the squad they had, Man City as well. Yeah, City had a few people, didn't he? Like like, like Phillips, Honest Pros, Richard Dunn. But the thing is, we had that as well, like Alan Stubbs, David Weir. Gravison, Carlsley, even Nigel Martin, even though he was older than the rest of them, he was having probably his best season for years. We just had a lot of solid pros all having great seasons at once and staying injury-free. And I distinctly remember um, getting picked up from school um, by my mum. And she used to always have the paper in the back of the car to take it home with us. And I remember um, like getting older and looking at the back. And I think it was um, around November time. Um, we just won the game at the weekend. I think it was an, um, a, like a one nil. I remember specifically Marcus Ben celebrating. I remember looking at the paper and it said on the back of the echo, Everton up into third. I remember like going, yeah, I'd never really, as I said earlier on, I'd never really paid attention to where we were in the table. I mean, I knew we were down the bottom, but I, I didn't, it didn't register with me that we were specific, specifically very high. I remember thinking Everton, it was Man United top and I think Arsenal second. Or maybe Chelsea. It was Chelsea one of those. Was. They won the league, yeah, I think, didn't they? Yeah. Chel- I think it was Chelsea United. Looking back now, it was Chelsea top, United second, and Everton third. I'm thinking, oh, bloody hell. Even when I was 10, like, Everton in third place. Oh, I, I, this, this is mad, this. I Everton couldn't comprehend third. this. It's like the same for me. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. Like, I hope we stay there. And ultimately, we ended up. Um, Arsenal got above us and we ended up dropping down into fourth. But. And we were quite a distant third as well, I must say, at the time. But I remember thinking, look how high we are in the in the, in the um, league there. And we've got a, a good portion of the season's gone. I wonder where we're going to finish. I wonder, if, we can finish if we can finish that high, then maybe we are onto something. But, yeah, just as I said, touched on earlier on, I didn't really go into games, at least not for the first half of the season, thinking, um, this is brilliant, this. Like, what a time to be an Evertonian. It was just, for me... Go and see me football team today. I hope we lose. I hope we win. <laughs> yeah, I'd scratch that. I hope we win. And it. Yeah, it would be rubbish if we lose. But we just kept winning games and winning games or getting good draws, like United away and things like that. And just thinking, this this is quite good. This I'm actually enjoying being an Everton fan. And then, oh, as no. Terry touched on, ultimately <laughs> we did well enough that we ended up finishing in the top four, which is unthinkable now yeah well i think that was the thing like at that time i didn't even i wasn't really like that clued up on football at this stage i was only really into watching everton and i didn't actually know what the champions league was at this time <laughs> i think the, the start of that season i was like and we i went into we were in third place and i can remember my dad vividly saying to me uh oh james this is fucking brilliant and i was like yes it's good isn't it and i was like I mean, yeah we could get in the champions league so like, What's that? Oh, it's like, <laughs> and then, it was um, honestly, we we 
forget the Champions League. In that first half of the season, we were so strong and obviously finished the year a few points off first. We were singing, we're going to win the league. And you could believe it because we were so resilient, especially at home. Like at home, even when we conceded the first goal, I don't, I mean, obviously you guys might have felt different, but I felt like, yeah, we'll get back into this. I was like, the, the, the defeats were so few and far between that I always just felt like no one no one will get the better of us. No one will... There might be teams, you know, we lose on the odd day, but I was thinking, you know what, no. You know, the, if we could have played... I know everyone can say this, but I just felt like if we could have played every game at Goodison, we'd have romped the league. <laughs> that, because that's just how strong we were as a, as a home crowd and as a home team at that point. And, you know, before we, you know, move on to the second half of the season, there's there's one game we've got to touch on. Um, I think it's Postal Paul's favourite ever game in December when we won the uh, Merseyside derby. Yeah, definitely we've got to touch on that. So we'll, I'll leave this one to Paul. Um, derby day. Brilliant memory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 11th of December 2004. Now, I remember um, the build-up to this game like a few weeks before and I was really not looking forward to it because the season before, we'd been spanked by Liverpool 3-0 at Goodison. I remember Michael Owen scoring two and Harry Kuehl getting one in the first ever derby and the, the, the Anfield derby a few months later, we got a 0-0 by the grace of God. <laughs> Nigel Martin made about 10 amazing saves to squeak a 0-0 for us which ended up being a really big result in hindsight but I just remember going into it thinking oh like I don't want to get battered by Liverpool again all the Liverpool fans in school are going to be yeah, laughing I, I, I remember yeah. by this point by the way I'd, rem- I'd realised what the Champions League was at this stage and I was watching some <laughs> of the games and obviously Liverpool had just had that mad win against Olympiacos the, week, the few days before in midweek going into this game and I just remember going into it thinking, oh, I'll be happy with a draw. Yeah, I, I remember just really hoping, I really hope we don't we don't lose, I don't want to lose to Liverpool, like all my mates are going to laugh at me. And we were actually going into <laughs> yeah. the game in a bit of form because I think since the start of November, we'd only lost like one game to, I think... Chelsea. Was it Chelsea? Yeah, Chelsea. It was, it was only Chelsea beating us. Yeah. We were going into the game, having picked up quite a few wins, and I will always remember this specifically. I don't know if Terry remembers it. I remember talking to him in my bedroom at the time, and I remember saying to him, oh, I'm really not looking forward to that Liverpool game, you know. And this was before we'd played Bolton the week before. And I remember Terry saying to me, you know what, there's not a lot of difference between Bolton and Liverpool, you know. If we can beat Bolton, then I think we've got a really good chance of beating Liverpool as well. And I was like, oh, well, I hope so, I hope so. And then we ended up beating Bolton. Um, at Goldison. and I remember thinking, yes, yes. Uh, I remember Terry. Uh, Terry said to me, "If we beat these, then we could. We, we're good enough to beat Liverpool. I've got no reason to be scared of Liverpool now. We're just beating Bolton, and we're in a good run of form. And in the game itself, specifically, um, I remember it being quite a scrappy game. There was not a lot of clear cut chances for either team. Cahill famously misses that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, both. Seven eight yards out, three heads in the box. You put your house like, on Kale to bury it. Three mark, isn't it? Yeah, Kale himself could not hope for a better chance in a football match, and he puts it wide. And everyone just thinking, "Oh, that's the chance. He's missed it. We're not going to win this game now." And that was early in the game as well. So even that was in back the first then, we were thinking, half, I think. "Yeah." I remember thinking because it was down at the park end. Everyone just thinking, if we were going to score, that was the chance. It's Liverpool. You just know they're going to get 
going to be jammy and get one now and we're going to be ruin that chance and then the game was just dead dead scrappy and then just a random passage of play we just come forward into the box we throw across in they don't deal with it i think it was a um osman just got the ball and he couldn't find a, a gap so he just laid it off to carsley who was just sitting there completely unmarked and he lets go a really tame shot if you watch it back it it's a... not a it's a rubbish effort by him to be honest if, if he'd have nine times out of ten Chris Kirkland just scoops that up. Thank you very much. And everyone just goes, ah, everyone just goes, man, going, what a chance that was. You had a free shot and he just P-rolled it into his arms. But thankfully, Kirkland, I think, just maybe he couldn't see it. The angle he was standing. It's it's only when I was doing my own work ahead of this show that I found out. I think that was actually Kirkland's last game for Liverpool. He injured himself during that game. So I don't know whether that affected him saving that but yeah I don't know about that he, he definitely was unsighted you can tell because like, he was enormous Kirkland like he, you know he, he could take up the old goal but I think you know with the scrum of players in front of him it was just one of them things where he was completely unsighted and by the time he reacts the ball's past him but obviously you know the, the goal goes in and then you know Goodison just erupts like everyone's going you know mad because then I, I, I genuinely still even though it was Liverpool. You still felt like we're going to win this because we've gone one nil up. We'll, you know, I know times have changed a lot since then, but you, you know, you felt like we'll hold on. And then obviously you get the famous, you know, pile pile on um, photograph. Of all the players. Kale with his fist up in the air. Yeah, all the players yeah. on each other in Kale, just like that. It just, it just felt great. Like not enough yeah. of that. You see how much it meant to the players as well. Like the players themselves probably thought, like after Kale's early chance, like they didn't probably didn't think a goal was going to come for them, and then a goal to just happen like that and randomly you can see like the relief on all the faces, all doing the parley and going, I can't believe we've done it. We've scored past them, and we're in touching distance of winning. I'm glad you think Terry that you're going to hang on because I didn't. I didn't. I didn't either. I was. I was absolutely petrified they were just going to put one in. And I remember late in the day, Nigel Martin... Um, made the fumbled. save. He made a save, and I think he fumbled one in the box. Like, he, he had it in his hands, and he fell backwards, and he let go of it. And we had to clear it. And I remember the time ticking down, ticking down, everyone going, blow the whistle, blow the whistle. And the ball came into the Gladys Street, and the Gladys Street was taking ages, throwing it back. Like, no, everyone's celebrating, going, way, way, throwing it. And everyone, everyone's going, no, like, they're going to get about 10 minutes extra time. And I remember specifically just before the whistle went, some fan, I'll never forget this as long as I live. This is kind of oh, my, yeah. Eddie, my Eddie Canva moments. Joe, the fella in the FA Cup final runs on. I always specifically remember this moment. I'll remember it all my life. A fella in the far in the far left-hand corner of the Gladys Street ran on to the pitch in his black coat and his woolly hat. And he grabbed the corner flag and he ran off with it in his hands. That's right, like yeah. That. Absolutely bizarre because he, he thought, like, we've won it. We've actually done it. We've won a derby. And I remember everyone just going absolutely mad. And then finally, when the final whistle went, just the absolute joy of it. Oh, my God, we beat Liverpool. I'm going to get to laugh at all my mates. That feeling I had last year of when we got spanked by them and they were giving it all sorts to me. I'm going to get to give it back to them now. And I was absolutely over the moon. It's, to this day, the best feeling I've had coming out of an Everton match. I was 10 years old and it just absolutely captured me. I personally, I mean, we'll probably touch on that season maybe at some point, but I, I thought that, about the derby two years later with when we won three nil. That was probably the best I've ever felt coming out of an Everton game, without a doubt. It's just the thing the the kind of game really the kind of feel that only a derby can do for you, which is probably why we're so miserable these days because we haven't won one for so long. Yeah. 
But yeah, great, great game, great results. But um, on to the rest of the season now. I mean, we get to January, don't we? And then disaster strikes. Um, the player, goes to Madrid. The player of the season up to that point was without doubt Thomas Gravison. That four-one-four-one formation it gave him the free role in terms of midfield. So he could, everyone thinks it was Kale behind the striker. It wasn't, but Kale was playing deeper as a number eight at that point. And he was arrived late in the box and scored his headers and, and what have you. But Gravison was the playmaker. He was the one who who controlled um, our play. And if you watch it online, you can see like those masterclass videos um, of, I think David Moyes has got one explaining how he used to play with the... Um, Overlapping fullbacks of Coleman and Baines, um, but he'd also um, there's also one by Tim Cale where he talk about that this season we're talking about, and he, he goes through a few of his other seasons, but he mentions when it comes to this season that he wasn't the attacker midfielder; it was Gravison. So he's our player of the season up until that point, and we basically he gets an offer from Real Madrid, like it just un un unprecedented you know he was playing well but a move to Real Madrid and he was out of contract in the summer unbelievable like no one could believe it and I'm sure at one point the Spanish press said that um, he would after a defensive midfielder which he wasn't at all at Everton but Lee Carsley was so he's like have they bought the wrong player are they buying Gravison thinking they're buying Carsley because they both look so alike um, but he goes and we replace him on loan with a loan deal for one Mikel Arteta. Any memories of uh, of that coming about and what you thought? Does anyone remember Arteta's first game? Just before we come to yeah. that, before we go off Gravison, do you remember who I got on the back of my uh, first Everton top, Terry, two days before he left? What was it, Gravison? Gravison. <laughs> and I remember you telling me not to because he was getting linked to Real Madrid. And it was kind of like everyone was just resigned for the fact that he was going to go. I think I think he told the club that he wanted to he wanted to be sold, and everyone was just like, "Well, we can't stand in the way. We can't not let him go to Madrid." And I remember loving Gravison that much, thinking, "I'm going to get him on the back of my shirt. I'm going to get him on the back of my shirt." For Christmas. And, then, and then if I get him on the back of my shirt, he won't go. And he went. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> listen. Guy was deluded myself into thinking that we wouldn't sell him because he was our best player and everyone loved him. And then he went, and I didn't get to I didn't get one way out of it. And then I think. That summer, afterwards, six months after, because I bought the kit in December or early January, and that summer after the season had finished, I ended up giving the kit away to like um, Africa. Do you remember when you used to make those shoe boxes for the kids at school? Oh, yeah. I put that kit, I put that kit in it six months after I bought it <laughs> with his name on the back and everything. That's, you have to spend money getting the prints on and all that. Spent all 50, 60 pounds on it and everything. My mum did, and yeah. I just gave it away because I couldn't wear it. <laughs> I had to tell you, yeah, but you wouldn't listen. But honestly, I think I remember Gravison going, and I remember the results in January were really, really poor. If I remember rightly, we lost. Yeah, a couple they of fell off games. a cliff. They completely fell off a cliff. We'd been like close to the top at, at Christmas, but then January through February, we just lost a lot. Like, just look at you: one, two, three, four, five, six. Six defeats between January and March, and about. I think it was two or three draws. So the, the the winds dried up and we started to fall away from the very top of the table, but managed to keep like, you know, stabilise around like fourth and fifth. And you can start to see then, you know, like where 
where teams could, you know, what who we're going to be competing for, and obviously ourselves, Liverpool and uh, Bolton. But the, uh, the the win in the league dream died in January, let's say. Yeah, yeah. that was around the time we went from third, we fell out of third and went to fourth, and then we stayed in fourth the rest of the season, didn't we? It was. It was a bit of a fight in the final few months between us and Liverpool to see if they could overhaul us. And yeah. They never quite managed it. But yeah. going back back to Arteta, when he came in, maybe I'm too young to remember, but I'm re- I didn't really notice him at the time. He, he was for me, he kind of flew under the radar. I, I remember he came in and wore the number six, didn't he? First for a couple of seasons, and he looked like a tidy player. And I remembered him because he, yeah, I think I played with him on like. FIFA with Rangers because he played for Rangers, didn't he? Before uh, we got him, and I remember he was really good at taking free kicks. So it's just that classic thing of, well, this player's good on FIFA. I hope he's good in real life. And I, I, did he did he score like a, a belt and free kick at, uh, at Goodison? His first he did. For he did. Yeah. That yeah. Was, that's something about. I can't, I can't remember what game it was. Did, did Palace. You? It was Palace. It was one of the few games. I think we won three 0 It was one of the few games we won by more than one goal. So. I'll always yeah. remember when he scored that free kick, he ran and celebrated in front of the Palace fans, but not like obnoxiously. He didn't realise they weren't Everton fans. So he just ran to that part of the pitch because that's where it was close to him. And obviously got a torrent of abuse off the away fans and he had to apologise after the game going, sorry, I didn't realise that was where the away fans were. I just ran over because I thought it's all fans. <laughs> whether, whether he did or not, I don't know. But he was—he seemed pretty sincere at the he, time. He's a, he's a bit of a slick wind-up merchant, so you think, Arteta? I reckon he's done it on purpose. Yeah, I mean, he, he, like Paul said, he came in and he, he was a little bit under the radar at first. He—he he didn't have any, even half the sort of influence that Gravison had on the team. But you could see he was a good footballer. You could see, you know, what was to come with him. And obviously, he grew into that role and became, you know, one of the most influential players in the team for years to come. But at first, he was not struggling to find his feet in terms of the physicality. But I think the role in the team was so, you know, defined, and he had to sort of grow into that. But you could just see, like, this was before his major injury as well, and you could just see how, like, good on the ball he was, and and you know, he it was before he became that sitting midfielder, that playmaker. He would just, you know, you know, go forward with the ball, and he would just glide, and no one could get it off him. And it was just like, this is a quality player we've got here on loan. It was a, he, he was at Rangers, but he was at Sociedad by the time we signed him. And um, I, I'd played, I'd had him on like a, do you remember LMA manager? Oh yeah. I had him yeah. on that. I was like, just because I liked his name, I just thought his name Arteta was a cool name, and I, I was. I was 15, so I was into doing shit like that at the time. So um, I was like that going, oh, well, he was quality for me on the game, so I hope he's quality in real life, and he he, he went on to be. So, yeah, I mean, what that is what you call trading up in the long term. It didn't feel like it at the time, but to swap Gravison, who was having a little purple patch in, his, in it, what was really a sort of middling career, he, you know, decent player, but didn't really hit the heights, despite a move to Real Madrid. Um but Arteta was just a, a much superior player, but we, he obviously had to bed in. As you know, we, now everyone accepts that players take a season to bed in from another league, but Arteta didn't take that long. He just took a few weeks, I think. Definitely. I mean, I think I recall like by that by the time he was bedding in, we, we started to maybe get the odd win again. And I think I remember a specific game, a three one away win against Aston Villa, where we were absolutely brilliant. I think that was probably the first game where I really remember noticing Arteta as a like potential star of the team. 
I'm not sure like whether you guys remember that game, but I think Kale scored twice and Osman scored a really good team goal as well. I think it was a really like accomplished away performance, which we, despite how well we'd done, we'd not really done one of those that season. So I think that sort of lifted people a bit. Yeah, I mean, I I, I sort of remember it. It hasn't stuck out to me, man, for the games this season. But I was, I, I like I said at the beginning of the, of the show, I was just so happy to be winning away games because we like season four, we were so terrible. But um, we. Cracked on towards the end of the season. Obviously, another big point of our season was the away Merseyside derby, which we lost. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not dwell on the game and the, and the result. But the thing I always take away from it was, you know, as as they um, as they do, the Reds all the players, fans, manager, they all celebrated like Deeds won the race for fourth. Like in that game, they didn't go forth with that win. But they acted like, well, we we beat Everton now, like you know, Pepe Reina running the length of the pitch and acting like they they beat us like to the to fourth place because at that point Bolton had fell away a little bit, not like out of the race entirely, but it was seen as more or less a two horse race between Everton and Liverpool for fourth place, and that derby was seen as like a big six pointer. and you know it probably was, but I think that lit a fire under our players a little bit, saying, well, they haven't they haven't took it off us why are they celebrating like that but well, we, you know, we know what the Reds are like you know, uh, you know bad, bad losers even worse winners but the rest of that season I think it just gave us that little bit of fight alone. no let's get over the not, not, over not instantly though I'll be honest because I remember the game after the Liverpool game was actually on my birthday and it wrecked my birthday <laughs> uh, we, we got beat off West Brom who were bottom of the league in the next game at the Hawthorns and at that point, I remember everyone saying, Joe, because I think I remember the year that Moise's first full season, we were in the top four ourselves around March anyway, and we ended up not getting any Europe at all. And people were saying, we're going to miss out, out on it. You know, the way Everton fans are, I think we're naturally yeah. a bit pessimistic. I think we lost that West Brom game, and I remember loads of fans going, we're not even going to get in the top seven now. And, you know, all of them sound bites started to come out. And I think... At that stage, I was genuinely worried we, we wouldn't. I genuinely, I was convinced we weren't getting top four, but I was even worrying about that when people were saying it. And I thought, oh, God. And then I started to realise what it was truly like to be an Eversonian. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, anyway, the next game after that was the Palace game at home, which was Arteta's yeah. first goal. And obviously, I think we won that one quite, I think it was 3 0, maybe 4 0. Just um, before we go on to the game after Palace, because I know what it is and it's a memorable one, but one thing we've overlooked is um, bringing in James Beattie in January. Oh, God, I remember, yeah. Then I remember, don't want to forget about him. Yeah, but I remember him vividly coming in and getting unveiled on the pitch um, against... Oh, it was a game we won. It was a night game. I remember him coming out with his, with his silver the, watch on and, and his Everton a bot, It was a boss last-minute goal again. That game, 2-1 against Portsmouth. I remember that one. Yeah, BT was um, a really good... Um, well, he had a reputation for being a really good uh, young English striker from Southampton. And I think he'd had an England call up by the time we signed him. And it was just kind of gave us that feeling that I touched on earlier on, that the complete opposite of what the summer was. It's like, yes, we've got this big-name signing who everyone knows about and everyone respects and even play, yeah. and even other fa- support other 
um, team supporters admit he's good. We finally got this uh, boss number nine player, and they just for whatever reason it didn't pan out for him. And I think on like his second or third game was when he did that headbutt on William Gallus and got himself sent off, and basically That's right, yeah, just writ his entire season off uh, from that period onwards because. From I think that um, we signed him in in, the, uh, in early January, like right at the start of the window, and he only scored one goal before the end of the season, and it was against Southampton away. You want, Ironically, you want, to, talk about, you want to talk about wasting a home shirt? I got him on the back of mine. <laughs> I was old enough that. to know better as well. He was just he arrived and he was dead overweight, wasn't he? Like he was on that like he looked like the player who's who's eaten James PC like. He, he he was clear from his um, his photographs. You know when he signs like this. You know look. You know when it's not as much of a thing now. But you know when some players used to come back off preseason and like they'd be they'd be big and went into, at the start and the first pictures back. But then they'd be they'd shed that's all not, the weight. That's that's not old. Ashley Williams did that two years ago. Well, it's it's less common now. But yeah, he he just he came in and he didn't seem in shape, and it was it was the beginning of a of a staple of Moises. Um, Moises either Everton, the only thing he ever tended to get wrong in the transfer window was strikers. Because BT was just on the face of it. I mean, I didn't think this at the time because I was too young, but on the face of it, he was a bad buy. We played 4 1 4 1 religiously. And he wasn't going to play that Marcus Bent role where he was going to work the opposition defenders constantly and chase down, you know, like diagonal balls to, you know, create space higher up the pitch. He was he was going to stay in and around the box, and that just didn't work. He was effectively a record signer who was only suitable to be coming off the bench like in that Ferguson role he wasn't even as good as Ferguson as that just no he was he was he was like a Tolson wasn't he just a, a box striker who could finish it for you if you got it got it to his feet um, in the, yeah. in the uh, penalty area but that was, wasn't how we played as you said and it just never worked out for him um, I, as you said I remember him coming in and he was really round but I was a kid and you just thought it'll be all right. He'll, he'll get a goal and then he'll kick off from there. And yeah. never happened. It never happened. He got, he got the goal, but then he uh, kicked Gallas instead. Yeah, he scored. Yeah, well, he scored against Southampton, and I specifically remember it because I was staying in my best friends at the time. I used to stay there most weekends, and I think it was a Sunday game. We played Southampton away. It was when Harry Redknapp left Portsmouth and went there for some weird reason. I don't know why he did that, other than that. But, but um. Yeah, we were two one down, and it was like Southampton ben, were like right now. Ben scored the belter, didn't he? Yeah, and that was a that was basically a goal that relegated them essentially because they were right down the Red bottom. Was, I remember Redknapp proper kicking off at the end of that game because it was in yeah. at the time that was added on to it. If yeah, I remember yeah. rightly, if you watch it now, it's on YouTube. It's a really famous image of him with his hands on his head like that. Even he knows that goal is massive. Ben, I remember. It was around that time. Does anyone remember those black and white wristbands when they, with those um, ones yeah. that were tied together? Yeah. They yeah. were in fashion, weren't they? Oh, them. They were boss. I had a few of them. Yeah, yeah, I remember Marcus Bent had one of those on, like around his, around his wrist, and he scored an absolute belt, and he ran off celebrating, and he was like doing all that with the camera, and I remember thinking as a kid, yeah, I've I got, got that them. I've got ben them. <laughs> yeah. It was, as I said, it was... a a lot of stuff that uh, we were doing that you'd love to see us do now, just a team that just won't stay down. Do you know what I mean? A team that will always fight and um, always hopefully grab a goal in the last minute and won't just fall away as soon as we fall behind. We just don't seem to have that anymore. Whereas we had loads of that during that season. 
And yeah, I think it's all about the characters you've got, and I think that that seems littered with them characters. And of course, one of the main ones was Duncan Ferguson, who we'll move on to that game now. I think uh, we get towards the end of April. Obviously, we're just about keeping our head above water or above Liverpool, so to speak. And then we have Man United at home on a Wednesday night, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I think it was a rearranged game, and. Obviously, we go into it um, a pretty daunting task. They were in, um, they were really coming into form by this point. Like they were still trying to push Chelsea by that point, and I think we we weren't that confident by this point because obviously we'd beaten Palace the week before. But other than that, we'd been in quite bad form. I'm not, I'm not sure. Did you? I didn't go to the game, but did you guys go? How did you feel going into it? I mean, speaking only for myself, I, I, you know, they were the Man United at that time. Like, the, the it was one of their better teams. That's all, like, you know, their star players had Roy Keane, had Paul Scholes, everyone. Um, and I, I was, I just looked at it at that point. I was just looked at it like any other game. It was just like, if we turn up, we've got a chance. Um, and it, it's, it's all about that first goal. Now this game. Is you know is is thrown up by David Moyes himself as the the pinnacle Everton game of his of his tenure because they said after the game you could hear the fans singing in the streets and I remember vividly coming out of the of the ground singing in on the Gladys Street in the streets and just you know we we play we had a stitched together team I think uh, sorry we had a stitched together team I think Steve Watson left back playing left back he was a right midfielder. I mean, nominally that that's he was a right he back actually, and he was playing right wing normally, and then he got shoved over to left back. I think. Yeah, he played everywhere, and, and we had injuries at left back, and we had to put Steve Watson out there, and it was just one of those siege football type games where, like, you know, you know, last ditch defending, and you know, like clearing corner after corner after corner, and you know, like, you know, like one of those games. You, it's just it's just epic. It feels like a movie game. It yeah, was one definitely. Of, obviously, the ball gets swung in. Duncan Ferguson diving header runs off, takes his shirt off, swinging it round. Goodison erupts. You know the Man United players start throwing their toys out the pram. You know, Gary, remember Gary Neville got sent off for booting the ball at the fans, didn't he? Yeah, get, tries to get away with it, kicks the ball into the family enclosure. Nice one, Gary. Um, Paul Scholes got sent off as well. It yeah, just, he, he like, volley kill ban right at the end, didn't he? Yeah, just a meltdown from Man United because they, they didn't have it their own way and, and it was just that game encapsulated it encapsulated Everton that season, just a team of warriors who got you know the the injuries to you know with no natural fit for players and you know they just fought through it and you know the dive and header and you know Goodison erupts and all it was just fantastic. That was when I, I think right we've we can't not finish fourth now. It's been on all season. We're going to get into the Champions League. And the tagline for this season, I mean, Champions League, we're having a laugh. Like, that was the that was the thing that people would sing at the time. Obviously, Champions League, you're having a laugh. And then we just adopted it, spun it on its head. And we're like, yeah, we're going to... It went from, we're going to win the league to Champions League. We're having a laugh. And I knew we're coming out of that game going, doesn't matter what happens now, we can't not finish in the Champions League. We've done too much. You know, we've 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 had too many of these games for it not to come off. And yeah, I just that was my the the Derby win and that were just my high points of that season. 
Well, funny, like after that game, actually, we, we won that one against United, and then we only won one more game against Newcastle, which was it all but clinched there. I think Tim Cale scored the second goal, and I can vividly remember that game as well. By this stage, it was absolutely hooked, by the way. I think it was at the start of the season, I didn't really watch much of the football, but I was absolutely hooked because of probably because of what I'd seen. And by that point, I was addicted to watching Everton. And uh, I remember the game towards the end of that season pretty vividly. That was a 2-0 win against Newcastle, which we it left us within a point, I think. And then Liverpool played Arsenal on the Sunday and everyone was like, these will get... Because they weren't that great, that Liverpool team. And I think they were going to the Arsenal team who'd won the league the year before. And we were like, Arsenal will do these. We've pretty much got this in the bag. Not sure if you remember the Liverpool game against Arsenal. Um, I don't remember the game itself, but I remember like the aftermath of it when basically fourth was sealed. I remember like Ken Wright being on Sky Sports News with his wife and his daughter getting the champagne out and all that, as if that's it. Yeah, yeah, just being Ken Wright being Ken Wright, just pure cringe. <laughs> I remember all that, and we were in the fourth, and everyone just loving it, thinking we're actually going to play in the Champions League. I mean. It hadn't dawned on me that um, we had to go through a qualifying game against a team that ultimately ended up finishing in the semi-finals. But it was just kind of it, that feeling of it's the closest feeling uh, I imagine to winning a cup. I think the only uh, thing I can imagine that beats it is actually going to Wembley and seeing your team win something. Just that feeling of we've done it, we've done it. Like it, all this thing that's given us so much anxiety for months on end, it's over. We can finally relax and just um, sit back and enjoy it all now. And it seems like the players did that because the last um, we went down to was it the last game of the season or the second to last game where we went down and played Arsenal? It was the second to last game because we lost. I think it was seven nil. Seven nil, yeah. Seven nil, and we had Richard Wright at goal for some reason. It was it was, it was like a makeshift team. Like we were like stitched together, but it seemed like even the players who were playing had just gone on the holidays mentally and. The last two games that season were just peak Everton. They were a sign of what we were in for, to be honest, in the years to come. Because we obviously lost... we lost to Bolton on the final day, and Carsley's on as Crucius, who was such a big player that season. Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to say. We lost seven nil to Arsenal, which basically skewed the league. So we were the first team to finish in the Champions League with a minus goal difference. But it was it was because of that game we weren't like that all season. Then we played um, Bolton. Obviously, Carthy does his cruciate, who's been the key player of the whole season, or you know, one of the key players. And not only that, we're one nil at half time, and they've got a man sent off on the forty fifth minute. Then the whole second half, we've got a man extra. We concede three goals and lose. Like just classic Everton. It's like we're a man up with a goal lead, and we lose three two at the end. It's like what the hell? But, you know, the season was done. You know, Champions League, we're having a laugh. Finished fourth, beat Liverpool to it. Bolton Wanderers, I think they finished on level points with Liverpool. There's a little bit of a resurgence. They um, ended up sixth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was their, probably their peak under Allardyce, wasn't it? Yeah. The, um, I remember that was Hierro's last ever game, wasn't it? Because they gave him... All, all of our players were like giving him a guard and honour, if I remember rightly, which was another typical Everton thing because, like, you know, just do that when the game's over, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, I mean, 
at that point, I don't think we anyone was bothered. We'd, we'd finished in the Champions League in a season where everyone was expecting us to go down. But obviously, what what was to follow, you know, you know, wasn't the best. But that that time, that season was just fantastic. It the like I said at the beginning, the the Leicester title winning team doesn't half remind me of of this team. Not based on quality or anything like that, but just the the togetherness of the players. And Devin as well. Yeah, and how the team was just so set up to suit all the all the players, everyone clicking together. If you can get a team that that's completely gelled, works after each other, and can avoid injuries, you can do anything. Like so, if if you could guarantee a see a season without injuries, you've you've half done it. It's just no one gets that these days at Portland. Half well, people who inject uh, performance enhancing drugs and whatnot. Uh, but that's yeah. for another day. Uh, that's the end of the season rewind. Right, uh, in the words of the the absent but sorely missed, um, Jerry Gibson. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it is time for a Toffee Blues cage match of Everton Wit and Might between James and Paul. It's going to be a starting 11 quiz, uh, an old favourite, from a match from the season that we covered in the show, the 2004-2005 season. So, guys, are we ready? Indeed. Yep. Right, if we could just have uh, intense quiz music, please. Ah, there it is. It's very intense. Right, the match in question is from 2004-2005 Champions League by having a laugh season. You should, going from the segment, we seem to have have a great amount of knowledge on this season. So we've got the home game against... Newcastle United, match day 37, and we're going to name one after the other the Everton players in the lineup, including subs used. And we'll the first one to get a player wrong, if the other person gets one right, they win their choice of song to players out. So, who would like to go first? I'm going to. Oh, no, never mind. I have got something to flip. <laughs> I was going to just say ask you and see who got in first, but I'll flip. So I am going to flip the, in true Jerry style, instead of a coin, I'm going to flip the lid of a beard balm, which I have got for my magnificent beard. So Fantastic. So I'm going to flip it. Call heads or tails? Tails. It is heads. Paul, would you like to go first or second? Uh, I'll go second. He's feeling confident. Just for clarity, for those who, who are watching the non-filmed podcast quiz section, heads was the side of the lid with the logo on it, and tails was the side from the inside without the logo on it. I do realise now that I didn't explain that, but I assure you that it did land on head. Right. Just just in case anyone files for corruption later down the line. Yes, exactly. But... He's chosen to go second, is that right, Paul? Yes. Right. James, if you would, name a player from the 
Newcastle United against Everton team, uh, game. Sorry, Everton against Newcastle United. It was an Everton home game. Fire away. Right, David Weir. David Weir did play. Um, Cahill. So I remember that goal he scored at the Gladys Street end where he sent Shea Gibbon the wrong way. <laughs> Weirdly. Tim Cahill did. Tim, Tim Cahill did indeed play. He started the game. James, your turn. Mikel Arteta. Settled both goals, I think. Correct. Mikel Arteta did start the game. Paul? Nigel Martin in goal. Oh, God, I hope so, because Richard Wright played the game before that. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel Martin did start in goal, so you're safe on that one. James, your turn. Tony Ibbett. Tony the Shoe did indeed play. He started the game at right back. Paul? I hope he was playing because he, he was weirdly my favourite player at the time. Um, Kevin Kilban. I forgot all about him being your favourite player at the time. But yes, Zinedine Kilban did play. He started the game. James, your turn. Obviously, this was shortly before the typical Everton Crucius injury, so we'll go Lee Carsley. Lee Carsley did indeed start the game. Got a good, uh, a good rally going on here. Paul, your turn. Marcus Bent. Does it count if he came off the bench? It, yes, it does count if he comes off the bench. Not if he's not used. Marcus Bent did play. Took me a split second longer there because he seems to have started on the right of midfield rather than up front. Oh. Well, that makes things interesting. Steve Watson at left back I actually think Steve Watson did play indeed at left back your turn Paul you've still got you've still got to choose from one two starting players and three substitutes I'm just trying to think what are the players we've named we've named we've had Martin we had Martin in goal um, Watson at, at left back, uh, Hibbert at right back, wasn't he? Marcus Bent on the right wing, uh, Kilban, David Weir. Who, who was next to Weir? Or was it Joseph Yobo? I think it was. Joseph Yobo did indeed start the game oh. next to Weir at centre back. I was I was I was, I was teasing on that one myself. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say Duncan Ferguson was the one who played up front if Bent was on the wing. Duncan Ferguson did indeed start up front. Is that just the whole 11 done, in it? The starting 11 is done. There is um, three players that came off the bench to get left. If we do, if we do get all of these, we're going to go on to tiebreaker selections right so we've got three we've got three subs who came off the bench 
if Ferguson was up top, Ferguson won't have won until 90 minutes, surely. Um, would, it, would it have been Beatty? Beatty come off the bench at some point? James Beatty did indeed come off the bench. Yeah, but Ferguson, Ferguson was up top, there's no way he did a full 90 at that point in his career. Right. What else did he add? Ooh, it's tense now. That was the one, the, the one I was chancing on myself. Uh, we didn't have much to choose from at that time. I'm gonna say, I want to chance my arm and say that. I know Moyes was never a fan of two up top, but did James Vaughan come on? I don't think he broke through at that point, had he? He scored against Palace. Did he? Yeah. Was his first goal. He was the youngest player, but I'm just trying to think if he actually came on in the Newcastle game. I'm going to say Vaughan. James Vaughan did not feature in this match. Is he so an unused means... sub? No, nope, he wasn't even an unused sub. That means Paul is our winner for this week. Um, the two other substitutes who came on were James McFadden on the 74th minute. Oh, oh yeah. Fadden, yeah, he was he was knocking about. But we we signed him that summer as well, didn't we? I think. Alan Stubbs that? came on on the 89th minute, and subs who weren't used were Richard Wright and Alessandro Pistoni, because at that time you only had five substitutes. Ah. And other no other notes of um of interest for the game were the goals were by David Weir on the 43rd minute. Tim Cale on the 59th minute and players booked were Carsley, Cale and Arteta. So, Paul, congratulations. Uh, commiserations, James. It was a, well, it was a much better contest than whenever I play, go off against anyone. It's usually wrapped up a lot quicker than that. And well that's done the, to both of you. Very entertaining, that's Paul. That's the first time I've won in ages. I think I lost like three in a row to Tom and, and I've lost to you, I think, before. And I think I might have lost to Max as well couple of times no one no no one loses to me so um in any case choose your song and uh, enjoy it since you've waited for it um and then obviously tell us a little bit about it so we can legally use it why you're picking it i'm trying to think of a song um that matches the time period in but we probably that would be i I, I actually had one in mind for that that very year to be honest uh not what sure what yours was Mine was going to be Lola's theme. What Lola's theme? What's that? Yeah, it's a, it was like, it was a, cl- a club anthem from around that time. It was absolutely belted of a tune. There, uh, I remember the the music video was like it was everywhere around that time. Like people at a fairground or something. It was a really, really like feel good tune for a feel good season. You won't pick a dance theme. There's just no way. No, it's not my cup of tea. Dance music. Um, I want to have something. I'll, I'll, I will have something. Not beat though. Um, got, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got it. It's a bit random. I'm not sure if anyone will have heard it, but it's um, on me Spotify. I've, um, Wishing well by Free. It's a seventies song. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, Wish, we're wishing well by free, is it? Free, yeah. R, um, F-R-E-E, wishing well. It's a 70s tune. Um, I'll pick that because it's like it's um, 
quite apt in the sense that I just wish we could have a season like this again. Like if I had a penny and I could throw it in a fountain, I'd just wish for that feeling of it's Everton against the world. Everyone's written us off, but we don't care. We're just going to turn up and spoil everyone's plans and we're going to get all these memorable um, narrow wins and we're just going to be so united as a fan base instead of just being so down and um, just beaten, like, which is what we have been in the last few years. I think a lot of people have just lost hope that everything's going to come together. Uh, Angelotti's come in and that's give everyone a, a big lift and hopeful that something's going to happen in the next few years but imagine it hadn't been Angelotti who we appointed imagine we just picked yeah, someone who not... imagine it yeah imagine if Moyes came back again do you know what I mean how depressed that would have been or if it had been someone else like Eddie Howe or, or Dyche oh, just that please yeah. not Eddie Howe yeah so well I can yeah. say say for one thing that you're already one step on your way to getting that back because everyone, everyone has already written Everton off we just need to work on the other things now yeah yeah I'm hopeful that a season like this will come back again because it is probably my favourite season since going to watch uh, Everton the only one that comes close to it is Martinez's first season Um, but this was the season where it felt like we actually achieved something do you know what I mean finishing fourth as I mentioned earlier on the only thing that could probably beat that is winning a trophy and that hasn't happened decades I've never seen us win a trophy um, so I just want that feeling of Evertonians all together and Evertonians are all, are all proud of the club and happy with where the club's going and everyone loves the players and everyone's right behind the cause so fingers crossed that the success is just on the horizon and that Don Carlo's going to lead us there I'll, I'll think to that yeah that's a good uh, good note to end this week's podcast on if James will permit me, I think I'll just uh, outro us out, even though he's been the host for most of the episode and I was a good quiz master. Knock yourself um, out, mate. Thank you to everyone for listening. Hopefully everyone's uh, looking after themselves and doing well. You know, obviously, we, sooner the better we can get through this uh, this situation, as everyone says. No one likes to say virus or pandemic. They all like to say situation. As soon as we're through this situation, hopefully we can get back to a little bit of normality with as little damage done to people's lives as possible and just as important to a lot of a lot of us let's hope the football comes back soon and Everton can bat on and play that play that wonderful football that we know we can play under Carlo Magnifico so thank you very much for listening to the Toffee Blues please visit our website we've still got content going up there periodically as soon as we can you know think of topics to cover with no games ongoing and um, all of our our information for Taffy Blue's Twitter accounts, Instagram, YouTube, all of that will be on that website. All of our contributors will have their information on there as well if you want to follow any of them on social media. Yeah, and uh, everyone just take care of yourselves. We'll all come through this together and hopefully come through it soon. James, thanks for coming on, man. Speak to you soon. Cheers, mate. Paul, I'll speak to you probably straight away since we're elected. Very well. Alright, see you guys, take it easy. Thanks for listening to the Toffee Blues. Of the Toffees.